glad you joined us today. We are just ecstatic to spend some time with you in the word of God. We have the dynamic duo of Daughter of Zion here with us today, and I just can't wait to hear what they have to say. Uh, we have our dear sister Sophia Bailey visiting us from Mount Pisgah, Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Miami Gardens. I think they call it Miami Gardens now. They tried to switch up the name on us a few years ago. Um, and we also have our dear Pamela Cerise with us. She is local from here, daughter of Zion's um, only. And um, just, I, I'm so glad to have them. It's a, um, it's just a remarkable thing. We have an opportunity to spend some time going through the word of God with practicality. A lot of times we speak about the word of God as though some abstract um, thing that we just can't attain or, or, or get close to, but um, having an opportunity to spend it with these two individuals, we really see the practicality of it all. I want to ask you all as we're getting ready to go into our lesson study to please share your page or share this broadcast on your page, um, comment, subscribe to our channel. All of these things that allow us to spend more time with you and you spend more time in turn with us. And so at this time, we're getting ready to get started. I just want to also make sure I make mention of the fact that at 11 a.m., 11 a.m. on our Facebook and YouTube channel, we will be broadcasting our services. Um, we do have Pastor Snell, the director of Breath of Life, as well as the new pastor of Oakwood University um, Church as well. So I'm asking that all of you would spend some time um, between Sabbath school broadcast and our 11 o'clock worship service. Go grab your um, your little snack packs and come back and make sure that you take um, you sit down and you enjoy the service that's being prepared for you. Pastor Snell is truly um, touched and led um, by the Holy Spirit. You could tell um, just by virtue of how humbly he walks through the word of God, but knowing that God is leading him along the way. So please come back and spend some time with us in that regard. We're going to start this morning with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. We ask now, dear Lord, that you'll speak to us, dear Father, from your scriptures, dear Lord. We ask that you'll be with every comment that comes in, dear Lord, be with all the discussions, dear Lord, that we have, that we may, dear Father, glorify you and leave, dear Lord, knowing you better than we knew you before. We thank you. We appreciate you. In Jesus' name we do pray, O oh Lord. Amen and amen. So we're looking at this lesson study. And as we look at this lesson study, we're looking at Deuteronomy in later writings, right? Deuteronomy in later writings. And what is interesting about that is as we go through Deuteronomy in later writings, we are literally examining the idea that as you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you will find some of those scriptures in other books of the Bible. And as you keep turning the pages, you'll actually have it referenced back. Um, not necessarily saying, hey, you'll find this also in Deuteronomy footnote because there's no bibliography, if you will, but you will actually find those same scriptures referenced back. And so I want to look at some of our, um, our our memory text for the week and then go through some of our discussions. I want to say good morning, Sister um, Gail Cole. Happy Sabbath to you as well. And Sister Washington, blessed Sabbath to you as well. Thank you so much for sending your wonderful greetings this morning. And we look forward to hearing from um, you throughout, both of you throughout our this broadcast this morning and others as well. So I want to just spend a moment and just take a look at our memory text. Our memory text for the week comes from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 15. It says, the Lord only in the Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them. And he chose their descendants after them. You above all peoples as it is this day. Right. 
And so as we're looking at this, we're going to find throughout, again, different passages of scripture, how we see things occurring over and over again. Now, I want to take a look at Sunday's lesson. Sunday's lesson is very interesting. We've heard the story a myriad of times, um, but I wanted us to take a look at King Josiah, right? King Josiah um, took to the throne at a young age, and the Bible says that after some time while serving in the kingdom as the king of Israel, what ends up happening? He stumbles upon um, the book of the law, if you will, right? And as he stumbles across the book of the law, he asked that they have it read aloud and have all the people gather around and have it read aloud. Um, and he does some stuff, right? When he hears word of God being read, as he hears the law um, being expressed, he does some things. I want to speak to you, Sophia. Thank you again for joining us this morning. I want to ask you this question, if you will. What was it about the law that caused Josiah to initiate a reformation? What was it about the law that caused him to initiate the reformation? Good morning. The law was simply put, let's, let's just start there. It was plain. It was a plain instruction. And when we say the law, sometimes we have to kind of understand, sometimes as Adventists, we think the law, and we automatically think 10 commandments. But um, the law, as it is uh, used in this context in the, uh, the Israelite or Jewish mind, means the Torah or you know, those first five books of the Bible, including Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is called the book of the law because it is the restatement of the law that was given in Exodus plus instruction. So um, when he sees these things, it's very simply says, if you do X, Y, and Z, blessings will happen. If you, do, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, curses will happen. And you have to remember at that time, um, historical context is always important this kingdom has had two terrible kings beforehand that did not follow God. And we get that from not only second Kings, but also in Chronicles as well. And then we have Josiah who was determined to follow God even before he uh, found the law, the book of the law. And so he, he finds it, he re it's read to him and he realizes this is the problem that we're having. This is why we're in the place that we are. It was like a, a, an epiphany, a light, bulb goes off that says very simply if you are doing this this will happen if you are not doing this this will happen choose life so as we were uh told a couple of weeks ago in the in the lesson that said choose life josiah realizes this is the problem we've been having this is why we can't get past where we need to go and he simply takes that and runs with it so Initially, even before he reads it, he already was doing certain reforms and doing certain things, but didn't understand fully the nexus of the problem. And when it's simply put to him, he takes it and he runs with it. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you so much for that. Sister Reese, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, hearing the, um, as I, Sophie, um, Sophia said, the restatement of the law. Um, you know, just and, and kind of hearing what the Lord has to say um, about those individuals um, from past and present. It, it still applies. What are your thoughts about his um, initiating a reformation there among the people? Sister Sophia, I am, I am right along with you in that the realization of what needed to be fixed, so to speak. So 
when I looked at um, prior to him receiving the book of the law, he had already been doing walking in the ways of the Lord. But remember, he was pretty young. So naturally, how we are built, how we are, how we develop, our brain does not, is not fully developed until we are around age 23, 24, 25. When he became king, he was eight. And it was 18 years later. So his brain is developing. And I, 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 I believe that God knew what he was doing when he gave him the, the book of the law at that age and after ruling for how long that he did. Because now he was more, more mature mentally, physically. And he was, and even though he was following what I, I, I would imagine what he was taught and what he was told as a child. And then when he actually got this book, it, it, he got an epiphany. It went off in his mind, like, wait a minute, stop, wait a minute. We've been doing certain things, but we have not realized what, what we are doing that we should not be doing, why we are here, the, way, the, the, where, the place that we are spiritually, and it's time to fix it. Um, for me, having not grown up in this light, I knew there was a Bible. I knew there were certain things that I, I had to do. I did not, I was not so much taught cause and effect. I was not so much taught if you do this, this is the end result. And I believe that for Josiah, that is what happened for him. And when he realized, wait a minute, we have to fix this, even with an urgency, because he probably realized we've been doing this all this time, and it was not quite what we were supposed to be doing. We need to fix this. And I believe for him, that urgency came when he got that mind, that, that epiphany, oh, wait, I got to fix this. I have to fix this. Amen. You know, I, I love that. Um, the fact that they said when he heard it, he tore his clothes. And so you, you made a very good point as it relates to the age that, you know, he took the throne and how he began to develop. But just, I mean, imagine what's happening literally all of his life up to that point. He has heard something that never pricked his heart. Right. He has seen them offering to idols. He has seen, you know, he, he's seen them burning incense. He has he has heard all kind of manner of just idolatry and wickedness. And nothing stirred his heart. Nothing set him on fire. But finally, he hears his words coming out of this book. And finally, at age 26, right, um, or thereabout, when his brain is now developed, and now he is ready for what? Spiritual development. The Bible says he rent his clothes. And in renting his, in tearing his clothes, it's almost like just coming out of the old him and entering into a new life. And such a powerful, powerful um, um, display of God's patience and his long suffering with us and his desire to save us from the guttermost to the uttermost, literally going into the king's house and having him be the one who initiates this reformation for the land and saving people, right? As you talked about hearing these blessings, hearing these um these curses. We heard we had something come in from um brother Mark. He says, seems that God's law was to put it simply forgotten in the hearts and minds of the Israelites Judeans. A reformation is only needed when something veers off course, essentially course correction. 
Thank you so much, um, Brother Mark. And you're absolutely right. Um, that reformation was needed to kind of just get them back to where they ought to be. But again, talking about generations of this idolatrous type of living. Just want to say good morning to our dear sister Lauren as well. Thank you so much for your um, greetings. And Sister Martin, looking here now, um, we, Sophia, you brought this up. And you, I want to ask you about this a little bit just very quickly. How does the law set life and death, blessing and cursing before us? Talk to us about that, if you would. Well, as I you mentioned, and I kind of alluded to earlier, it sets it for us simply. We often complicate it because we don't want to do what we need to do. Um, you mentioned that the society hadn't um, been exposed to these teachings for several generations in Josiah's time. Um, and there's a, I'm just going to step away from the actual story for a minute and go to something else. There, if, you, if you've ever read uh, Greek writings, The Republic and Plato. Plato is a, a Greek philosopher. The Republic is one of his great works. And there's a story in The Republic where he says that if you want to change the people, right, if you want to get them under control, you tell them a great lie. It's a particular lie. I'm not going to get into the, the details of what it is. You tell them the great lie and you tell it in a way that it, that it affects them. And then you keep telling it for several generations. And the way that they eventually learn that lie is they, they don't see the truth anymore because it's taken away from them, but the lie stays. And so if you look at Josiah's um, kingdom, the great lie they had been told is if they followed the things around them, they would have the blessings that they sought, where God simply had already told them, look, this is what you need to do. And the way that Satan works is he hides that from you. It makes you think you have to go and search for other things, other teachings, other writings, other cults, other other uh, practices, other uh, forms of meditation, uh, certain people. And if we don't believe, if we don't follow, excuse me, the simple things that God has told us and hold fast to those things, we will easily be straight, easily stray away. It always amazes me when I see other people. Um, I, I, I mean, we all do it ourselves, but I always look and see people saying, oh, I found this new practice, this new thing. And when I hear about what they're talking about, I was like, well, that's that's already in the Bible. That's if you if you actually studied it and read and read it for yourself and spent the time to actually study it. But we often, even as Adventists, depend on other people to tell us what we should be believing instead of diving in and studying for ourselves. And we complicate it because we put our own thoughts and our own desires and think that if, you know, if I add these things to it, then maybe God's going to change and he's not going to change. He's already simply told us what to do, but we sometimes think that if we pray and ask him, um, you know, Lord, I understand that's what you told me to do, but I want to do this. And we think he's going to change it because it's what we want. And he says, no, simply, this is what I've told you to do. Choose one way or the other. And there's really nothing else to, uh, to do other than to choose life or to choose death. Those are the two options. God's law, um, just so powerful. You, you know, you just, just, just that idea of, um, as you said, life. And we essentially, we see that, right? He says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Then he says exactly what you just said, Sophia, choose life, right? And I, I just love that. 
Sister Reese, um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, how does a law um, set life and death? How, how does a law do that um, in your reading? So like, we, like we're saying, it is choice. And all through the Bible, we see where even as people did not do as God said, did not follow God's way, what happened to them? And that is, to me, a blaring example. You do it this way, this is what happens. You want to choose life, do as you're told. But if you don't, it's up to you to choose. But here's the end result. And it is, for at least for me, sometimes I think when I read and study the Bible, just like Sophia was saying, it, it speaks very often, I feel like it was written for me because it speaks to me, is individualized for me. And for me, that's how I learn. I want to see the example and the non-example. I want to see what happens if I don't touch the flyer, and I want to see what's going to happen if the fire is touched. That is how I learn. And so God in his goodness and his wisdom uh, probably realized there are a lot of people out there like me. And we have examples and we have non-examples and we have freedom of choice and you can choose. And we have that growing up. We do it to our children. Listen, and this is what will happen. Don't listen. And this is what you will get. And he follows through every time. So this is why, and I love that we have freedom of choice. So you really and truly, it's, it's really up to us individually how we choose because we know the outcome. But we are, and even though we know what God wants for us, He's still giving us freedom of choice, and we know what will happen based on our choices that we make. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Reese. Something that was just said here, posted in the chat, and there are several um, great comments, but one of them brings an interesting point up. I just want to read it here. Um, Brother Mark says, sometimes this the death, this death isn't necessarily immediate. So as you talk about, Sister Reese, the idea of, you know, choosing... Um, um, God's way, or if you don't, is death. Um, excellent point that death isn't necessarily the immediate physical death. Oftentimes, as seen in Genesis, the death comes about through the spirit, spiritual death, and then goes on to say Adam lived 930 years, then died. What I also see in that, thank you so much, Brother Mark, is the idea that God is so merciful that while the result of the um, decisions we make results in death, there's a window of what? mercy and repentance that's there right so you can always just if you see the air of your way come back and as he set those choices before you god doesn't change god's law doesn't change but you can change and so it's just awesome that at the end of the day while god's law says what it says you can change and come back and repent from those things turn away from those things and choose life so the idea is not that you have to choose one for the rest of your life you can actually come back to god and say you know what I made some mess up decisions. I want to make some corrections here and how merciful God is. He'll actually allow you to do that and um, receive the blessings of his um, of his glory and his goodness. The, um, um, also says Sister Washington says God's way is the best way. Right. So good stuff. I just want to move on. And I want to ask this question. So moving into um, our discussion on Monday. Monday deals with the heaven of heavens, right? And we often hear the phrase, the heavens of heavens and, and um, the highest heaven. And, 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 and we go through these things like we've ever been there before, right? None of us have had the journey like Paul, right? And going to the third heaven. But 
The Bible makes references to the heaven of heavens or the highest heaven. The Bible talks about it. And I want to find out, Sister um, Sophia, if you could walk us through how should we apply the phrase the heaven of heavens in our daily lives? I mean, how how does that how do we apply that? How do we resolve, you know, hearing the heaven of heavens, but living this day to day life, going through our struggles, going through our difficulties? How does that really just amplify and speak to us um, that that heaven of heavens idea of God? The heavens of heaven idea of God is God is sovereign. So going back to our last um, uh, question, when you're choosing life and choosing death, you can't choose life without surrendering to that sovereign God. So you have to surrender yourself to him. You have to understand that he is the, the ultimate and the, uh, the, as, you know, the author and finisher of our faith, all these phrases that we like to say. But what does that actually mean? That means that as I'm walking through day by day, when I'm making my decisions, when I'm making choices about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, how I'm going to treat people, um, how what I'm going to watch, what I'm going to read, that our first thought should be, Lord, what would you have me do? And um, that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to surrender daily, minute by minute to um, to someone else. But we have to understand that that someone else, one, is the creator. Two, is a being that even though he has created us and he is above us, he still loves us. He still comes down to us and has that um, uh, that feeling for us. I, I love in Steps to Christ, I believe it's in the first chapter where it says that you can't tire God with your with your, uh, uh, your motions, your, your, your supplications, your, your prayer. You know, sometimes you, you talk to your friends about a problem you have and you talk to them about it over and over again. And you know, the friend is like, okay, yeah, because they've heard it a bazillion times. Right. And after, and you have friends too, that talk to you and you're like, oh, why can't you just go fix your own problem? I can't help you. But you, when that's that line in Steps Christ says, you can't tire God with your problems. You can't tire God with your feelings. You can't tire God with things that bother you. That 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 being that lives in the heaven of heavens, but will still come down and listen to you whine and complain and moan and still embrace you and still, and, and ultimately is the only person can really help you out of whatever situation that you're in. So um, also that heavens of heavens theme, if we, you know, we saw in the, the Sabbath school lesson that it, um, it is repeated in several different places. Um, one of the places that automatically kind of um, leaped into my mind was also in Revelations 14, in that those three angels' messages. Because in that first angel's message, what does it say? It says, uh, love God, give glory to him because he's the creator, because he's, he's, he's to be worshiped, he's to be reverenced, he's to be odd. It's that same heavens of heavens idea. And that's the reason why we should reverence him and tell the world what we need to tell them because that being that dwells in the heavens of heavens will come down and touch you wherever you are. I, I love what you've done, Sophia. You, you have definitely um, just revealed the love of God, a God who lives where we can't even comprehend, right? <laughs> a God who dwells where we can't comprehend. And, I, and, 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 but that God, 
every day will show up and say, talk to me. Tell me that. Tell me that thing again that's bothering you, you know, because you're you're right. We all know someone who we'd rather avoid than have them come and let us know that thing that's bothering them again. Right. It's like, oh, here we go one more time. Right. But God says, come tell me. The scripture even says it right. His ear is not too heavy. Right. It's just I mean, I'm, you're not burning me. No, no, no. It's not a problem. Please tell me some more. Um, and just Sister Cerise, you, I saw you smiling. You were nodding earlier. I, I need to hear about how, how you apply this, this, this idea, this, 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 the context of this heaven of heavens in our daily lives. Help what I think, uh, Sophia and Jason, is when I think of the heavens of heavens, it's beyond what I can see, beyond my reach. And when exactly like you say, he is always there outside of what I can even begin to relate to. Me here in this, my little house, in this little city, and then he is beyond that. He is still ready for me in the midst of these United States, in the midst of this continent, and then the whole earth. And very often you see people uh, physically when they are making a relation to God or saying something to God, they lift their eyes to the heaven. And then we forget there's more beyond that. He is beyond that, bigger than that. And applying it in my daily life, going day to day, I have to tell myself, there is more to what God can do for me beyond what I can actually see right in front of my face. So I might come to you, Sophia, and I might tell you about my dog and how my dog is just so, you know, she's troublesome and she's getting old and she doesn't listen. But I know God knows beyond that what I'm sharing with you. And he is able because he's just bigger than all that, bigger than my finite mind could even begin to understand. So living it in my daily lives, I know that there is more than beyond what's right in front of my face, beyond what I can see, beyond, and I know that God has it for me. Amen. Amen. Um, we just have some great comments coming in. Um, Sister Anna um, Vasquez, amen. Happy Sabbath. Blessed Sabbath to you as well, and um, Sister Anna, and um, to um, Brother Juan. We also had... Um, Sister Gail Cole just say God is truly amazing, and it just really is. I mean, you you you, fig you figure the vastness of what we don't even see or understand, but yet He does come listen to us about our dog, and He takes care of the dog, and He makes sure that we're not late for the meeting. He starts the meeting late for us. Little things, those little things, those million little miracles every single day that God does while governing things that we can't even begin to comprehend. Um, it, it's just awesome. Um, Brother Mark says the term heavens was used to describe an unreachable space above our heads in ancient times, even so and above and beyond this exists the heaven where God dwells. Now let's go, let's go into that. Thanks so much, Brother Mark. I want to get into that now, Sister um, Sophia. What does it mean that the highest heaven can't even contain God? We talk about God dwelling in the heavens, but then Solomon says, guess what? You can't even contain God. You can't contain him, right? That's what Solomon says about the highest heaven. So walk us through some of that um, thinking, please. So as Brother Mark pointed out, heavens is, um, even in our, our modern times, we kind of equated to, um, you know, the atmosphere, space, and then there's galaxies and things beyond that, that um, we kind of imagine that's where God lives. But 
the one thing we have to remember is all those things are created by God. So he is above all of those things um, and can't be contained by his own creation. You know, how, how, how is God supposed to be um, the genie that is awesome power in a little bitty box? Can't do that because he created the box. He created all of it. He created everything in, in, inside of it. So um, when we, and, and when I think about those kind of things, I think about how we may have certain uh, issues or things that we think are important, um, you know, be it, and, and this is where my mind always goes, uh, relations between people, uh, racism, uh, politics, certain things that we as human beings get very hot about. Somebody said something to me and I want them to apologize to me. And this is, you know, I'm going to storm out of church because I didn't get this position or whatever it is. All these things that we think are the end of the world. God is way above all of that. He's not even defined or contained in any of those thoughts or ideas. He's trying to get us to get up to where he is. And he does it with us slowly. But sometimes we hold on to things because we are so focused on what's going on in his creation. We're not worrying about the creator. And we're not seeing that the creator saying, okay, come on, come on now. We need to be above this stuff because this stuff at the end of the day, when we get to that place, we're going to realize how petty and insignificant a lot of the things that we think are highly important are. And I'm not saying that there are certain things in life that you don't stand up to, you don't speak up about, but at the same time, that creator God is the ultimate thing. And that we have to also understand that all the things that we are contained in is a box that God has created for us. Amen. Amen. I want to say something very quickly. Um, you, you made mention when you first started speaking, Sophia, about the fact that he created it so it can't contain him, right? And that's very powerful. Um, it can't contain him. But what about a God who says, I'm going to allow myself to come into the dwelling place where I that I have made that I've created, I'm going to allow myself to come into that dwelling place and spend time with you, right? And so it's just a powerful revelation again of God's love. You, you figure, um, you know, I, I you know I like sports, and so there are often times in sports they'll tell you there's a real dominant player, right? And he's very dominant. You can't be stopped. He's a, he's a he's a force to be reckoned with, or she's a force to be reckoned with. And the idea is, what you do is you tell the opponents, you say, look, here's what you want to do to this individual. You don't, you can't stop them. You can't stop her. You can't stop him. But what you have to try and do, you have to contain them. Just contain them. Allow them only to operate within this space. Make, you know, force them to shoot this type of shot. Force them to operate within this area of the field. Force them to kind of have to have to um do X, Y, or Z. And, and I love it because it's the idea is if you can contain them, you may have a chance of winning. But I love when it when it just literally says you can't contain the heaven, the highest heavens cannot contain him. They can't restrict his power. They can't force his love into a box because at the end of the day, God it does what? His love bursts forth. That's the power of God. It's a love that bursts forth. But what he does do, he says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to come into your dwelling place. I'm going to come by. And even as Solomon saying it there, right? Even as Solomon saying in first Kings, look, the, the highest heavens cannot contain you. What says earth? What says this, this, this tent made with hands? 
and God still shows up. Ah, he still shows up. He still runs through it, right? And he allows his glory to dwell there. That's an awesome God because what he's letting us know is that we can't contain all of him, but he'll still show up in our lives. He'll still dwell there and he'll still allow some things to move and shake when the time comes. And that brings me into Tuesday. Do you mind, Sister Cerise, by going to Tuesday? Um, I, I want to look at Tuesday because it talks about Deuteronomy and Jeremiah, right? And the reason I looked, um, I went into this so quickly, I wanted to segue into this, is because Jeremiah tried to contain God. Jeremiah said, I don't want to talk about him anymore. I'm trying not to bring it up anymore. I don't want to have the discussions anymore, right? And then Jeremiah said, but what happened was I realized I can't contain fire. You, you talked about fire earlier, Sister Reese, Sister Reese, so I'm coming to you. You said you want, you know, sometimes you want to figure out how hot the flame is or, or things of that nature. And Jeremiah says the flame was so hot, I could not contain it. I tried to keep quiet on it. So I want to ask you, and talking about Deuteronomy in Jeremiah, I, I want to ask this question. Where does inspiration come from in the word of God? Um, if you could just walk us through that, um, Sister Reese, where does inspiration come from in the word of uh, in a nutshell, it comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from his spirit speaking to people. You cannot box God in. God is going to give his word and remind you of what he said. So we all have heard before, God's word is an inspiration. It was written through the uh, Holy Spirit given to man. What God did was to come and remind us, I said it, this is what I said. Jason presented it, Sophia presented it. I. It was inspired by me. And I'm just reiterating, this is what it is. It comes from the Holy Spirit itself. We, I, I am not, to be very honest with you, I'm not too sure. Well, there's, I'm sure there's a, a reason why people get confused about where it comes from. If you remember what uh, Sophia said at the very, very beginning, we look to others. Unfortunately, when we open God's word and read for ourselves, we can see that these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit given by God. That is where it all comes from, through Jesus. And sometimes we get misguided, unfortunately, but ultimately the inspiration of God is coming from the Holy Spirit through Jesus. And this is why we have to pay close attention, study for ourselves. I remember growing up, um, I was young, Sophia, and very often I would look to um, ask people's opinion. Well, how is this and why is that? And then I started to when I came out of a different setting um, and a different relationship of what I thought my relationship with God was supposed to be, I started to study the word for myself. And I realized, wait a minute, they just, they said this in Genesis. Here it is again in Exodus here. And it's all through the Bible. And it tells us this, that these, these men were inspired by God. And just this week, I was listening to a program and he talked about the Apocrypha and it was explained why the Apocrypha is not um, necessarily what we want to bank on. Not necessarily what we want to bank on. We want to look at what was inspired by the Holy Spirit um, throughout scripture.
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Reese. Um, I, I love that, the idea that, um, and because in the question, you know, word of God, inspired by whom? Um, the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want to take a quick look, um, going back a few moments, we talked about Jeremiah and how he tried to shut up that word and just kind of shut it up and keep it. And it was like fire in his bones. And then Brother Mark says, fire? You mean the same fire that shines a light on the witness? The same fire that burned a bush? And did not consume it. Um, I'm going to throw that in there. And took the form of a tongue um, when the Holy Spirit appeared on, on Pentecost. And I want to speak to that last part because that idea of um, that that day of Pentecost and those cloven tongues, um, flames of um, like shape of cloven tongues, is again giving those individuals in that upper room what the word of God and begin to speak and, and prophesy. Um, and so just, again, a powerful revelation of God being the inspirer behind his word. Um, Sophia, if you will, I, I wanted to see if we can move um, to this next question coming out of that as it relates to this study on Tuesday. Um, why then are verses repeated throughout scripture? Um, can you help us out there? Well, as our sister said, it's an ins you're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in many cases... It's uh, the re the repetition is sometimes uh, tailored to whatever that person is speaking about at the time. So they they take that original verse and they'll 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 have the same principle, the same idea, pretty much the same wording, but maybe they'll add a verse or add a add a word or add something to tailor it to that. The reason why that happens is because it's the same truth that is running throughout, that is, in, that is not running throughout, that is hitting these people's brain and producing the same results every single time because it's true. There's only one truth. So when truth hits you, it produces that result. Um, and it reminds me when I was in school, one of the things that um, we learned in the, in the field that I'm in is that we, a lot of people think that it's, a, um, I don't want to get too much into the field that I'm in, but a lot of people think it's a lot of memorizing. So you take the book, you memorize the information, you, 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 re you repeat it back. What we were taught, what we had to learn actually, was to take a piece of information, pull out a rule from that information, a rule meaning this is what applies in these particular set of circumstances, and then build on that rule throughout the course and then be able to take those rules and apply them to a set of facts and be able to figure out what the outcomes are going to be according to the rules that we have. The main thing is that the rules build on each other. And the teacher didn't tell us the rules. The professor didn't tell you the rules. Part of you learning was that you had to figure out the rules for yourself, which means you had to dig inside that information and you have to figure out what was uh, what I needed, what was chaffed, what is the rule, what is the part the part that I need, and then be able to apply that to the next set of information you got, and apply that to the next, and and build on top of each other. The Bible is a lot like that. The Bible has this core information that really comes from the original prophet Moses. And when they say when I say the original prophet Moses is even in Jewish thought, the prophet that kind of everything is built upon. Not because Moses is more important or more inspired than anybody else, but because he's talking about some core things that 
that make everything else happen. So you have then these other prophets, when they're talking to the people, they're referring back to what they know, which is Moses, right? They're referring back to that, and then they're making it and, twi and, and tweaking it for that present day. Remember our lessons called present truth in, in Deuteronomy, right? And then you have those same prophets now being um, used as, 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 uh, uh, by, by Jesus, by Paul, by Peter, by John. And they are now building upon that. Originally, the original truth comes from Jesus, right? But what it's, what it's doing is that it's going through different people and going through different situations, being applied to different contexts and different principles and different uh, situations and different people and different people groups and different areas so that you know that it's the same truth, but every time I apply it, I get the same result. So this is why it's repeated over and over again and why it's extremely important for us to read for ourselves, extremely important for us to study, not just read, but to study for ourselves. Because one of the lies the devil uses is that if we depend on other people always to feed us and we're not actually being convicted by these things ourselves, when the devil comes with his ultimate lies, we won't be able to recognize them because we haven't done the work for ourselves. So we have to constantly be studying. I, even in this particular lesson, I know there's things that I didn't realize. Oh, wow, that's from Deuteronomy? That's from Deuteronomy? And it gives you a richer experience and helps you to understand those verses that are later that we tend to repeat all the time to understand that it's all the same truth. It's just being uh, restated and, and, and adapted to whatever that situation was. Amen. Amen. Um, extremely just spot on. You know, I don't have anything else to say other than the fact that it's the same God, right? Throughout scripture. So if you're writing about the same God, you're going to repeat what about that same God. And so um, I love when, um, when we talked about knowing your scripture, because it's what the devil did with Jesus, right? He tempted him by what? Challenging him on scripture. And so um, you think it's going to reserve, that's only reserved just for Jesus. The devil will do the exact same thing to us as well um, through various means. Sister Cerise, I want to move on, um, if you will, to um, Wednesday's lesson. And I want to ask you this question. And Wednesday, we talk about the, what the Lord requires. And I want to ask you to just walk us through um, what does the Lord require from us? Uh, when I look at the word requirement, um, it is it is an, an, a necessity. So it is um, what is needed for the job to be done. We all know when we apply for a job, they tell you what the requirements are. Um, these are the necessary conditions that we need to have. When God says that we need to act just with justice, love with mercy and with humility, walk with humility um, when we walk with God. Are we fair in what we're doing when we live our daily lives? Um, many times people look at, and this will probably go into um, more of the lesson, we look at what people see on the outside, what people, what, uh, for lack of a better term, what's on show. But really what God is requiring is what we have in our hearts. If we are to truly uh, love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, 
we will be just in how we behave towards others and even in how we behave with ourselves, how we um, interact with others, how merciful we are when we love each other. There is and there has to be a humility when you walk with God. Why? Because he's bigger than I am. I am just in his shadow. And if I am going to be um, living as he would have me to live, I need to be humble. I cannot achieve anything without God. And that is what God is requiring of us. A lot of people think, and I mean, it, it is, I guess when people are looking for that justification and accolades from people that are just like me, and so you want to put on a show, but really what God is requiring is when we are uh, giving it from within ourselves, treat others the way we want to be treated, love exactly how we want. I mean, we want God to be merciful. I'm going to tell you, I want God to be merciful to me because I know every day I it is a struggle most days, whether it's what I think, like sister was saying, what I choose to read, not read, how I choose to react to certain things. I cannot, I, I have to be, I have to remember, look, I want God to be merciful to me. Let me behave treat others the way how I want it to be, how I want to be treated. So really and truly God is just requiring us to be, to be, to, to have our hearts and, and to be humble and, and be fair and merciful, just like we want him to be towards us. Amen. Amen. Um, and just, it's so, it's so simple. It's so simply said, and so simply put, um, I want to move. We're actually running um, out of time now and, and probably out of time. Gonna give it a, uh, just a couple more minutes, Sophia. I want to come to you and ask you a question. Coming out of um, Thursday's lesson, it was just very interesting. Thursday's lesson dealt with Daniel, right? We talk about the prophet Daniel, and oftentimes when we hear about Daniel, we get caught up as um, as Seventh Day Adventists um, Christians. We get caught up on statues and and beasts and and dreams and and visions, um, but very rarely do we get caught up on prayer. And that is sometimes problematic when you consider this our perspective, right? And what's or, or perhaps what's important to us. And but in Daniel chapter nine, Daniel spends some time in prayer, right? Um, I mean, some good amount of time in prayer. We see it all throughout scripture. Um, the first encounter with Nebuchadnezzar, he spends all night in prayer with his friends again. But here we see it in Daniel chapter nine. He's going through um some time in prayer with God. And he makes reference to some things that have taken place in scripture, right? He goes to the historical aspects of, of what God has said and done and what God promised as well. And I want to ask you, Sophia, um, I know you're a praying woman. And um, I want to ask you, what role should scripture play or what role should scripture have in our prayer life? If you could help us out with that, please. Using Daniel as an example, uh Prayer should be the structure of our scriptural life, of our prayer life. I'm sorry, scripture should be the structure of our prayer life. Daniel prayed around Deuteronomy. So Daniel's living in the after effects of them not choosing life. He's living in it. So he now realizes, look, we're close to the time where we're supposed to go back, but we're not ready to go back. And he is begging and pleading with God to say, look, these are the things that you told us not to do and they happened. Now, help us to get to that place where we can be 
at one with you, where we are reconciled to you. Um, as a child, I always loved the story of Daniel and the lion's den. It's one of my favorites. Um, for some reason, I used to always kind of think every time I'd heard the story that maybe the lions would get him at the end. Every time I would hear it, I'd be like, oh, they're going to get him this time. And I'd always, I'd literally be like, yay, the lion's mouth was shut, even though I knew the story. But I would, I would get all anxious thinking maybe the lions were really going to eat him this time. Um, and this prayer is in and around the time of this, this lion's den um, story. So the praying that Daniel's doing is probably even more fervent than he normally does is to get Israel prepared to choose life so they can go back, um, so they can uh, be at one and at peace with God. And a lot of times we pray, we pray about things that I want this house, I want this job, I want this relationship to work out, I want um, this job situation where I have a boss that's bothering me to stop bothering me. These are the things that we pray. The, and a lot of times, although I'm not saying that we shouldn't bring our burdens to God, we need to go above that because God is not here just to soothe us and to make our lives better. That's not the purpose of why we're here. It's not the purpose of why we pray completely. We're supposed to be praying so that the mission that we're on, we should be on, and that this ch and that church should be on, is focused, is happening, and that we are part of that mission. Um, Daniel wasn't just praying about, you know, I, I don't like this food. Maybe they won't serve this food. You know, I need a new robe. His, his focus, his desire was, Lord, you've already explained this stuff to us in scripture. And Daniel wouldn't have known that unless he's been studying it. You've already explained to us, you you show me in vision certain things that are going to happen. In this prayer, you've now elaborated on more of that vision, so I understand it even more. Um, and help me to make this mission, to make this work that you, you set for our people, help me to be instrumental in making that happen. And show me what it is you want me to do to make that happen. So our prayer life can't be just about our wants, needs, and desires. It has to be, help me to prepare myself to be worthy, to be in the mission of God, and to make the mission of God go forward. Not only because, not because God needs us, because we need to be a part of that mission to save ourselves. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sophia, about praying in the will of God. I mean, that's essentially that, you know, as opposed to desiring those things that you kind of have here that are temporal praying the will of God for things that are salvation, not just for your benefit, but for others as well. And that's what Daniel was really focusing on, right? A whole nation, because what ends up happening when they do return, he doesn't return. So the prayer was more about the people, the nation, and having that promise in, um, um, fulfilled and restored. Sister Reese, I'm going to ask you if you can, in maybe five words or less, or, you know, you count your five, I count my five, you know, we count five, but we're all, we're running out of time. I just want to ask you this question, if you would, looking at this book, right? Deuteronomy, and as we're studying through, we're almost at the end of this um, lesson study um, this quarter. And I want to ask you this question. What does it say about God providing a roadmap to him? And then when we sin, he provides the way back to him. What does it say about God in, in, in providing that type of a um, roadmap? Um, you know, pretty much you'll drift 
but I'm going to show you how to come back to me. We're going to close with that thought. If you can give us in a, in a few um, few short words. I would say is it boils down to God's mercy. And it was, if I read this study lesson three times, I was to tears three times, just embracing how merciful God is to me, to us. And he, and he even when you look at, at Daniel's prayer, that entire uh, chapter is, in a, is a lesson by itself. The humility in recognizing that we are wrong, we did wrong, but also that hope that, yes, I, I better humble myself. I was wrong, but God in his mercy still gives me the way to reconcile, to restore, to come back, back on track and to, and to make, let me know that it's not forsaken. I am not forsaken. He has not forsaken me. He won't forsake me. He is just so merciful and just. And that is, to me, that's the ultimate love, being able to recognize that even though I fall and knowing that I will fall because I've seen it before, but also I've seen where there is hope, there is still restoration. There were those who came back on track and, and was able to come back into God's love and his mercy and his goodness. So it is, it's just how awesome and how you cannot box God in. He is above all what I cannot see. So there is still hope. There is still a way for me, even though I have sinned, to come right back and he is there with open arms, just ready to receive me. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Sister Reese. We definitely love your five words or less. Um, you, you nailed it. As you look, consider um, what God has done. That's an awesome thing to say. My law does not change and I do not change. But at the end of the day, I want to see that you would change. And if you would change, Here's the way back to me. Here's how you can change. I, I just love it. I love it. I love it because um, how I don't know your tears, Sister Cerise. I can't understand your tears, but I definitely understand why you would have tears because of my tears. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I know my journey. I know my struggle. I know my God. And today we want to thank you all for joining us for our lesson discussion. I want to thank Sister Sophia, Sister Cerise, um, the dynamic duo. You brought it. You said you would and you did it. Our dear brother Ricky said he was going to eat some bread before until after wasn't going to eat until after service. But he's glad he has some food now. And he got food that no one knows this morning here on this lesson study. Thank you so much, um, Brother Mark. Um, and I hope you share some of that bread as well. Give the fragments, gather them up that none be lost. And so um, I want to thank you guys again for joining us. I want to invite you to join us at our 11 o'clock service hour this morning. We do have Pastor Snell. He will be presenting the message here at Daughter of Zion. Um, he will be um, in the building um, and will be broadcasting on all of our channels. If you did not register to attend service in person, you can watch online. Please don't miss that. Share it with a friend. Subscribe to our channel again. Like it. And we have so much appreciate all of your comments that came in. We weren't even able to post all of them, but we try to get to as many as possible. Continue pouring it in and share with friends. Um, share with enemies. Actually, it's a very good point. Share with your enemies as well. I think it'll be a great way to just get and stick it to them, right? Just share this broadcast with them. And so I want to thank you all again. I want to remind you, December 25th, we are having our pastor appreciation presentation. So anyone who wants to um, continue to just keep praying 
and also to provide anything through love. Again, when this is not no 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 pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Um, but if you have something through love that you want to contribute to our pastor, um, pastor and his family, by all means, you still have time to do that. December twenty fifth, we will be presenting the pastor with our love um, through tokens uh, and expressions. Although we can't grab him and hug him up as you would um, and we would like to, we can definitely give him that spiritual hug and let him know that we love and every everything he's done for us. We do recognize that past has been through a lot. We heard a few weeks back, it's been through a lot. But guess what? We never suffered as his flock. He continued to do the great work, and we're grateful to God for that. Um, again, this is a big surprise. It's a secret. Don't tell him, okay? Um, I've encrypted this message. And so the moment you get this message, make sure you just, you know, do the, the you do, 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 and have it disappear, okay? It's encrypted. Don't let anyone know. Uh, don't let him know. But again, keep praying for him and his family and continue, I beg you, to... Um, just keep our, our the work in, in prayer as well. We are grateful, Sister um, Lauren. You're absolutely right. It's been very insightful. I've learned a lot. Amen. And that's our closing word. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're going to have a word of prayer now. Lord in heaven, we thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness to us, dear Lord. We ask, dear Lord, you gave us more than we even asked for this day. I'm grateful to you, dear Father. We can work through your scriptures and understand more of your love. Teach us, I beg you, throughout this week as we express your love to others. How much, dear Lord, indeed you do love us. We thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, awesome week. And meet us back here next week. Same time, same channel, same God. God bless you.